All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. 14th edition of the Daily Faceoff show. And we're streaming live on dailyfaceoff.com, Twitter, as well as YouTube. He is former Buffalo Sabres assistant general manager, Steve Greeley. And Steve, we had a night last night that feels like the first time all season. Go to sit down on your couch, 7, 7.30, no hockey to watch. How strange with uh, the game being postponed last night between the Calgary Flames and the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, so odd, Frank. It almost felt like a an all-star break or something where there's nothing on the TV. So you had to, we had to resign to Monday night football, but that's okay. But you know, hopefully we don't see, we don't have any more nights like this coming up. I hope. So are you a Manning cast guy or a Monday night football guy? Yeah. You know, I've stuck with Monday night football, but I'm, I'm glued to it. Gotcha. All right. Well, we still got plenty to talk about. Still lots happening in the hockey world. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock. And let's drop the puck with Jim Rutherford and his press conference yesterday being introduced as the Vancouver Canucks new president of hockey operations. I was fascinated, Grills, by the reaction to the Jim Rutherford press conference saying that he has instilled confidence in a market that quite obviously desperately needed it. And I think it's interesting because when you go back and you look at exactly what Jim Rutherford said, I watched it, I read the transcript, and I'm saying, well, hold on a second. There wasn't really a whole lot said here. Yes, we know that Jim Rutherford ultimately would like to have this team contending for a Stanley Cup year in and year out. To be competitive is the goal. But when you look at what was said, he's going to need a bit of a feeling out process here to get to know this team better, it seems, before ultimately making any moves. Yeah, I, I watched the press conference as well, obviously, Frank. And, and the thing I took away watching it was just, 
he had such a cool, calm, and collected presence. And, and I think the owner loved that. I think the fans loved it. You know, we're looking at a Hall of Famer up there who, let's face it, he has seen it all in this league. And his presence alone, I thought, offered a soothing feeling to the fan base. And that's what they were looking for. They haven't had a lot of press conferences where Jim Benning was speaking to him. It seemed he wasn't as available to the media quite as much as maybe they hoped. So when you get Jim Rutherford in front of him, he he was relaxed. And he admitted, hey, there's challenges. And he talked about some of their star players. Um, I think what he did is said all the right things. He talked about a seven-week timeline. But because of Jim's experience, he might have just been saying those things and a vision to do some other things, which is great. You know, that's there's nothing wrong with that. He knows how to talk to the fans and he knows how to run an organization. So I'll be interested to see what their next step steps are. I kind of chuckled to myself when he said he won't be trading top draft picks. And, uh, you know, I think the fan base took that as first rounders or maybe second rounders. And and Jim might be saying that right, saying to himself, I, I was talking top 10 overall. Everything else is in play. <laughs> So, you know, he's a wily veteran. I thought he was great in the press conference, and he was. it seemed like a breath of fresh air for the Vancouver Canucks fan base. Yeah, and look, it was something so desperately needed. I think what I liked most is there was no brash statement. There was no, uh, you know, over-promise here. There was no promise in general. It's just that he's going to come in and work, and his resume, I think, speaks for itself. Um, and so we'll see, you know, sort of what he diagnoses from this team he's sort of like everyone else has seen from afar this team in the beginning of the season that has certainly under delivered to this point. We've seen a four and stretch under Bruce Boudreaux, probably not quite as good as that record would indicate. And they're probably somewhere in the middle. So we'll see what Jim Rutherford ultimately cooks up there from the Vancouver Canucks. And we'll also see how quickly he moves to hire a general manager. He's certainly not someone that is lost at the control. So, the other thing that's popped up, uh, Steve, has been this COVID outbreak. There have now been 131 players that have entered the COVID-19 protocol this season, uh, approximately 18% of the league. And when you take a look at the list here of the players that have been added to the protocol in just the last 24 hours, you see nine Calgary Flames, two Carolina Hurricanes, a Boston Bruin, a Florida Panther, and a New Jersey Devil. That's a lot. And it's important to keep in mind that, you know, when you look at Calgary and their outbreak, they were certainly in a little bit of a different spot uh, in terms of how quickly it popped up, but also the border crossing that was at play, that they would have had to come into the U.S. and had there been more positive tests like we see today with the Hannafin, Monaghan, and Lucic that were added to the protocol. And Milan Lucic sending out a tweet as well this morning saying that, he had also had a booster already previously before testing positive. So he was triple vaxxed uh, before getting this breakthrough strain. Uh, I think the NHL is doing their due diligence on the testing front to, to figure out exactly what types of strains they're dealing with. But Steve, when you look at it, what's interesting to me is not only is this a reminder that we still are right in the thick of COVID, but that when you're dealing with this new variant, it seems like the calls and cries are growing louder, particularly emanating from, from uh, Canada, where we could potentially see, you know, buildings go back to being reduced capacity or certainly some empty buildings potentially. That has been the ask from some of these health authorities and, and, uh, and provincial governments to say, hey, look, you know, we might need to change up how we're doing business here because this new variant seems to be spreading quite quickly. Yeah, the, 
let's face it, the the amount of players right now is alarming. And all joking aside, I feel like, Frank, if you had your cell phone out right now, it's like it's almost trade deadline time where, you know, something's happening every second. I feel like we have a new player every five minutes being added. Um, and that's scary. And, there, and there's some interesting dynamics now. You know, you see Jarvis and Ajo stuck in Vancouver. Uh, that's so that, that's not an ideal situation. And there's also the Olympic factor. There's so many things at play here with COVID and, it, and it's a smaller scale, but when you think of an organization and you think of all their players outside of their current roster, and I'm looking at like Bordolo for San Jose or Roddy for the Islanders, who a huge part of their own development is going to be playing in the World Juniors. Now, all of a sudden, that opportunity is gone. So this ripple effect for an organization goes from, you know, your star player all the way down to your seventh round pick a couple of years ago. So there's so many things at play here. Um, it's a unique situation. We're seeing star players with a few more comments lately, like Tavares, Matthews, Fleury, talking Olympics, but it's all related. Um, the one thing I think that we could see impacted is, our teams going to be more teams that are contenders. Are they going to be more aggressive at this year's deadline? Because depth is crucial. You know, you lose a top player to COVID. You know, all of a sudden, a playoff series could be over pretty quick. So we're going to be talking about this topic for the rest of the year, Frank. Yeah, and particularly also on the goaltending front as well. You know, you look at the waivers today. Jonas Johansson yesterday gets claimed by Florida. Uh, you know, Anton Hudobin's on waivers. We'll see if he gets picked up by the 2 p.m. deadline. But you mentioned organizationally as well. We, we've said nothing about how COVID has ravaged the AHL and has also prevented teams from calling up players. You see a couple teams potentially playing short also due to salary cap constraints. There's, it, it's This ripples far and wide. So let's dive into the Olympic part for a second because that's why I wanted to add this to the list of topics today. Team USA uh, officially naming Bill Guerin as general manager seven weeks to the day after Stan Bowman resigned. Um, he will be assisted with the Beijing Olympic team by New York Rangers general manager Chris Drury. So what's interesting to me is USA Hockey held this press conference today, December 14th, when everyone's saying, hey, are the NHL players even going? And it seems like USA Hockey is certainly, you know, taking a step forward here saying, look, we you know, we believe it's all systems go at this point. We have no reason to suggest otherwise, which speaks to the work that's going on, not just uh, with these federations to try and get NHL player rosters finalized, but also the, the crazy amount of due diligence that's going on behind the scenes, Hockey Canada, USA Hockey, that are trying to, to field a list of players in case the NHL players are not going to still have a competing entry in the Olympics. So, so many things at stake here and at play. You know, I just thought it was interesting that the USA Hockey was was ready, willing, and interested to put a stake in the ground, given all the uncertainty, to say, yes, Bill Guerin is going to be our guy, and we're moving forward. Yeah, I, I agree. The timing was interesting. And and we had heard Billy Guerin for a while, and Chris Drury is an assistant GM. There's no surprise that that's the staff. They're fully capable. I think they can do a tremendous job. And we know that the meetings were going on behind the scenes you know, in terms of roster building. And I saw Billy with a quote today talking about there's still, you know, a large number of players in the mix. But one of the roles, one of the most important parts of the general manager and assistant general manager, I believe this year for the Olympics, beyond getting the team correct, is probably going to be convincing players to play. And Billy G has played in the Olympics. 
Chris Drury's multiple Olympian. That was his they were roommates together and in an Olympics. They're roommates. That's right. And those guys, they're going to talk about their experiences in the Olympics. They're going to talk about what it means to play for USA, what it means to try to win a gold medal. And I think that that is going to be a huge part of the Olympics. It's never been like that before, right? Guys are begging to get on this roster. This year, there might need to be a little convincing. And Billy Guerin and Chris Drury are two, I think, great people for Team USA to try to get any player that's on the bubble, maybe over the fence and, and onto the roster. See, it's interesting that you said that because I think it's an important point. But I guess if I'm sitting there in the general manager's chair, which obviously I'm not, I'd be saying, do I really want to spend my time convincing a guy or do I want someone that's all in and is is ready and willing to take the risks that are associated yeah. with this, knowing that you know a lengthy stay in China could potentially be on the back end of it, uh, certainly in terms of a spending time in a four-walled Chinese isolation facility, not that enticing. And I can understand both sides of it. I just don't know that I'd want to go around trying to convince guys if their heart isn't in it. So we'll keep an eye on that. That's a juicy storyline for sure. How about a juicy matchup tonight between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Edmonton Oilers? Yes, it's Connor McDavid going head-to-head against Austin Matthews, two number one overall picks, and two guys who have actually been incredibly productive against each other. You see in the 13 games played between these two teams, the eight goals from Matthews, the 19 points from Connor McDavid. I know which record you'd take, but which production is more intriguing or interesting to you here in this matchup, the eight goals from Matthews or the 19 points from McDavid? Well, the 19 points for me, um, just impacting the game that much more offensively for me as Connor is. Uh, you are exactly right. I would take the 9-2-2 two and two group. But uh, I'm, I can't wait for the matchup. I think that Edmonton, 4-6 and six in their last 10, probably feels like they have a ton to prove. And we know that Toronto, every time they're on the big stage and the national TV, they want to kind of prove to, prove to their doubters that they are for real. And Last couple of games, Toronto, I think they've given up four against Columbus, five against Tampa, four against Chicago. So I am interested to see how they match up with this, you know, high-end offensive group and McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, and so on. You know, are they going to be able to play a game where they win 2-1, 3-2, or is it going to be a 7-6 game, which I would rather watch? So uh, it should be a good game. Um, obviously, world-class talent, but it's prime time tonight in Canada. Yeah, I think here's the thing that stands out for me. You mentioned the goals, and to me it's the number of goals, not just that the Oilers have given up in this stretch, as Mark Spector from Sportsnet called the homestand from hell, but you look at these five losses for the Edmonton Oilers, and they've only scored eight goals in that stretch. To me, when you talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs you know, proving some of their doubters wrong, I think that's sort of the one thing that stands out about the Oilers is, you know, much in the same way that Toronto has these question marks, you know, lingering about their playoff play and performance. It's also for me, for the Oilers, it's what does this team look like? What do they do when Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl aren't scoring? Yeah, it's to me, that's going to be the the test. Can this team prove that they have the depth to overcome stars not producing every single night. And we know as, as the hockey gets tougher, the playoffs get deeper, it only gets harder on your stars and you need the bottom of your lineup producing. You need the bottom of your line to be effective. 
So those two Canadian teams have high expectations this season, there's no doubt. How about a third team in the Winnipeg Jets? Lots of expectations as well. They've been all over the place to start the season. Let's take a deep dive on the Winnipeg Jets in another edition of the All 32. Pleased to welcome to the Daily Faceoff show, Ken Weeb. You can see his work on Sportsnet as well as Sportsnet.ca and the Kenny and Rennie show. I saw Sean Reynolds at the Board of Governors meetings in Florida, uh, Ken, and I was just saying how odd it was to see Ken without Ren. So uh, certainly interesting to have you uh, join us on the show to talk Winnipeg Jets. You cover them like a blanket. What's going on with the Jets? Give me the 30,000-foot view to this point, Ken. It's sort of been this up and down all over season, a little bit of a tough start the first few games. Then that team looks exactly like the group that we had such high expectations for, and they've kind of fallen back a bit of late. Yeah, Frank, uh, thanks for having me first and foremost. It has been an interesting uh, season. Ups and downs have been prevalent, as you mentioned. Uh, they had to play without Mark Shifley out of the gate for the first game of the suspension. Then they had a COVID scare with both Shifley and Wheeler missing those five games. Uh, then they got on that great roll, and then all of a sudden the offensive well went completely dry and limited to just nine goals in seven games, and then they were kind of back up on the rise again. So one thing we know, they've had great goaltending from Connor Hellebuck. He's been fantastic and obviously one of those guys in the mix and consideration for Team USA. Uh, Kyle Connor has been an absolute force, and Pierre-Luc Dubois has had a incredible bounce back season but uh, in the midst and in the middle of the pack uh, it's been interesting because they've had uh, some issues scoring goals and frank their special teams quite frankly have been uh, a massive struggle for them especially on the penalty kill where they rank 31st in the nhl now they have gone seven for their last seven but 31st in the nhl is not a place you want to reside because at even strength this team has been very good in terms of uh, goals allowed and goals scored Ken, Steve Greeley here. Um, you know, with this Jets team, just from a from a player personnel area, what are they missing? Are they are they looking to actively add? Where where do you see them trying to improve? If so, yeah, it's super interesting, Steve. Uh, obviously, the Jets are one of those cap ceiling teams. They're uh, digging into LTIR, and I think they'll go further into LTIR with Blake Wheeler probably heading there after that suspected uh, knee injury that he suffered in Vancouver on Friday night. So what we've seen so far, the Jets have not played their fourth line very much this year. Once again, uh, it's been an area where, I mean, obviously they have the high-end talent up front, so there's not always a lot of minutes to go around, but I would think they'd be looking at, uh, you know, something for that fourth line, maybe a penalty-killing specialist. And if you probably want a right-handed penalty-killing specialist, I know they just lost Riley Nash off waivers to the Tampa Bay Lightning, but uh, this team now with Wheeler probably headed to LTIR has only one right-handed shooting forward in Mark Shifley. So it's a little bit of an odd configuration when it comes to that front. Uh, we know they their, their emphasis was on upgrading the defensive talent last year and bringing in Nate Schmidt and Brennan Dillon. Both of those guys have fit in seamlessly on the back end. But I would imagine that they'd be looking for one of those uh, cap-friendly fourth liners uh, probably if they're going to be on the market at all. But, I mean, their, their window would open up a little bit with Wheeler heading to LTIR. But we don't know the full severity of the injury, and he's not expected to be lost for the season. So uh, they're still pretty much one of those capped-out teams. They're probably going to have to look to some internal solutions 
perhaps like David Gustafson would be a guy that would be uh, headed for a recall after his great start in the American Hockey League with the Manitoba Moose. So Ken, how do you size things up as a whole? Like if I were to tell you that the Jets have gotten to this point in the season, they're still obviously well right in the thick of the playoff chase and Blake Wheeler and Mark Scheifele were not sort of in that top four in scoring. Would you say that that's been a success to this point? and say that there's lots of room for growth, or would you say that the way that things have played out have been rather disappointing? Yeah, it's so interesting, Frank. I mean, they have had to overcome a lot of adversity, to use that uh, old cliche. It is accurate in this situation, but uh, I would say, too, I mean, this was a team that a lot of people expected to be challenging the Colorado Avalanche for top spot in the Central Division. So as we're taping now, the Jets are below the playoff line. So I think in some regards, they'd have to be viewed as a little bit of a disappointing start. Uh, at the same time, maybe they're just kind of finding their way. But, uh, you know, it's super interesting because, you know, they had the five-game losing streak. They lost six of seven. And all of a sudden, you know, they win three of four again. And you're not sure exactly which way uh, things are turning. But they have had a lot of good individual performances. Nikolai Ehlers has got himself going once again. Andrew Kopp had that great start. Uh, and is going to move back up with Mark Scheifele and Kyle Connor. Um, you know, Wheeler himself had a slow start, 21 games without a goal, but then he scores and has three points before he's hurt, and he had 10 points in his last five. So uh, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, Frank, to be honest. So, you know, to try to put a bow on the answer, I would say they're slightly below where their expectations were. So I, I think there would be some level of disappointment. But you know, if you're if you're Paul Maurice and you're and you're spinning hope, I think you would say the Jets have done a nice job of keeping themselves. Uh, in the race. But back to the original point, I mean, based on how well Connor Hellbuck has played after those first three games, and I'm not blaming Connor Hellbuck, but the facts are he gave up 14 goals in those games uh, and their mm -hmm. team defense wasn't very good. Uh, I think they're kind of hanging in there, but now we've seen teams like the Minnesota Wild, uh, you know, get off to this incredible start. And you've had some of these uh, unexpected teams, maybe in the Pacific, that are hanging around the playoff line. So I think the job has gotten more difficult for the Jets, even though their start has been okay it probably needs to be a little bit better and the other part too they've had you know two losses to the vancouver canucks one of them you know coming in a shootout and you know a really tough loss to the arizona coyotes so i think it's fair to say they've left some points on the board okay so one word answer give me your level of concern <laughs> one to ten on where the jets are at this point i'm going to put you on the spot I would only say a six, basically, Frank, just because of some of okay. those other guys that have been able to step up uh, in the meantime. But th they do need to get – th the biggest problem the Jets have had, Frank, too many nights only one line has been going for them. You know, it, whether it was the Shifley line or the Dubois line, not enough nights where both of them are going at the same time. And they need a bit more of secondary scoring from that third line with Adam Lowry. Okay, six, though. The, the So the temperature, not all that hot in Winnipeg. Uh, from Ken Weeb's perspective, for all the reasons that he laid out, certainly some sound reasoning there as well. Thanks so much for joining us, Ken. Uh, you know, you can see Ken's work on Sportsnet, sportsnet.ca, and the Kenny and Rennie Show. This has been another edition of the All 32. All right, it's time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskDFO. And this beauty rolled in asking about the New York Rangers. A bit surprised at the Rangers' success. Do you think they'll look to add to their team in the new year? We'll address the second part of this question. But, Steve, from a personnel perspective, what would the Rangers, what might they be looking to add? Dude? Where do they need help? 
Well, I think the Rangers right now are honestly probably sitting in a position where they're going to be content for a little while. And I know Chris Drury's names out there about potentially adding, but if we rewind six months ago, this team's goal was to, to make the playoffs. And right now they're well ahead of schedule. They look like they're going to be in the playoffs for sure. So it just becomes a matter is, is this a team that's really buyers is going to trade some future assets or are they still part of the letter they sent out two years ago in their rebuild? Um, I think a lot of things will impact what they do, where they need to add. There are certain things in their own division. You know, Malkin's coming back, Backstrom's coming back. Their division's tougher. I don't think the Rangers are going to be, you know, huge buyers if they don't see themselves as a team that's going to advance multiple rounds. So to me right now, like, hey, they, they want to add depth up front, a little more scoring on their bottom six, which is something we talked about earlier. But I, I do think they'll be patient right now. March might be a different story. Yeah, interesting. I, I agree. I don't think the timing is right. Just from a division perspective, yes, they can be competitive. Yes, they could surprise a team or two when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Not counting the Rangers out at all, but you look at where the Washington Capitals are in their cycle. You look at where the Carolina Hurricanes are. Finishing first in that Metro in the regular season is going to be so critical just to avoid getting one of those teams in the first round. Not that whoever you get in that 1-4 or 1 wild card matchup is going to be a cakewalk. It's just that I don't know. Interesting. And you look at the Patrick Kane part of that question. I had not heard anything and have not heard anything about the New York Rangers being linked to Patrick Kane. But I did say on the daily DFO rundown a couple weeks ago, I think, you know, maybe at a certain point, the Chicago Blackhawks need to consider the idea of potentially moving Patrick Kane. You know, that certainly isn't something that's going to happen until there's some clarity on what's happening with their front office structure. Is Kyle Davidson going to continue to be the guy, is he going to be the GM? Will there be a president of hockey ops? Whoever is in that chair next, eventually, at some point, will have to address the Patrick Kane situation, needing a new contract. Uh, and certainly this season has been a bit up and down for Kane. It hasn't probably been exactly what he would want it to be. At times, he looks a little bit disinterested and disengaged. So we'll see uh, what happens on that front. Let's get to our daily face-off best bets of the day. Mr. Uremchuk. How you doing? How was your weekend? What you know? What's going on? Where have you been in the the betting world? Yeah, the the weekend was uh, was okay. Was sitting with uh, with a record of a uh, fifty six thirty six and three on the season, still up around seventeen units. So it's going all good. Uh, no hockey last night, which was weird, but I had the over in the Monday night football game, so that was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but I'm happy that there's a full slate of games tonight. So let's jump right into it, courtesy of our friends over at. Points bet, and I'm going to start with this matchup at the top between the Blues and Stars in Dallas, where you can see the Stars are minus 150 favorites on the money line. Things have slowed down a little bit for the Stars since their seven-game winning streak, but in their last loss, I actually thought they were the much better team, so I like them to bounce back tonight, get back in the win column, and I'm actually taking them in regulation at even money, plus 100. A big reason why is just how good they've been on home ice. Not only are they 9-2-1 and one on the year, but they've won eight games in a row, and all of those wins have been in regulation on home ice. So I like the Stars to keep their hot streak rolling on home ice tonight and bounce back from their little three-game losing skid here. St. Louis also just 5-5-1 five, five and one on the road. So Stars in regulation at plus 100 is my first play. And I got another player prop here for my second one. It's Sidney Crosby to pick up an assist in the Penguins-Canadians game. The Habs are giving up 3.79 goals per game on the road. 
Crosby, he had a seven-game assist streak snapped the other night against Anaheim. The Penguins' offense has been clicking. They got 11 goals in their last three games, despite the fact they only got one against Anaheim. So I like the Penguins' offense to bounce back tonight. I like Crosby to be involved, grabbing him to pick up an assist at minus 135 is my second play, Frank. I love that. Sidney Crosby also loves playing against the Montreal Canadiens. Just looked it up quickly. 56 career points in 42 games played. So a solid bet there as well. We'll keep our eye on that. Thank you to Tyler. A quick hit before you, before we get to garbage time, I'm told the Vancouver Canucks will be adding a player to their COVID protocol list. Uh, That will make 132 this season. One more on top of the player that... uh, or the team, the, all the players that we just listed on that board in our segment, uh, certainly an interesting time around the NHL, Steve. Uh, it's, uh, you know, you look at Carolina just playing in Vancouver. There are two players, Ajo and Jarvis, stuck in Vancouver in isolation. Uh, not a pretty picture. What do you got uh, as far as garbage time? Garbage time today, before I really get into it, I'm just going to advise Tyler, when your record's 56, 33, and 6, and you got it in the background, don't use uh, – font 12 that's that's supposed to be font 100 um but you know if it's the opposite then you do the small font uh garbage time today for sergey fedorov uh 51st birthday yesterday it was a well documented all over twitter people loving it um certainly makes me feel a little old thinking about those white skates back in the day and him buzzing around playing forward or d didn't matter but frank and i you were we were chatting about him with uh CSKA pulling the goalie twice uh, in overtime, even strength three on three. He pulls the goalie, they win four on three. I think it's brilliant, amazing innovation. I love seeing these great ideas. Frank, whose knowledge just is deeper than mine, reminded me of why this does not happen in the National Hockey League. Yeah, it doesn't happen in the National Hockey League for this rule exactly, which states when you look at 84.2, if you are to pull your goalie in overtime in the regular season, you can do it. However, if you lose with your goalkeeper out because you pulled him, you forfeit the point that you earn in regulation. So this is not something that I think we're likely to see. Um, I'd love to take a deeper dive on the analytics and what all that means in terms of uh, how much more likely you would be to score if you're have a four on three advantage in that situation. I'm sure the numbers gurus could tell us, but uh, nonetheless, I think most teams would prefer to at least have that point bank. The only time I could see it is if you get to game 81 or 82 in a season and you know that you need two points instead of just one, only two is going to get it done. That's probably the only time I think we'll see it. But nonetheless, I like the, the courage of conviction and certainly that rule doesn't exist in the KHL. So why not go ahead and try it? So, uh, love the conversation about that as well. A little known rule. I didn't know myself until I had read it somewhere on Twitter uh, last week, so I can't even take credit for it, Grills. But uh, it's uh, certainly something to keep in mind. So that is all the time that we have on today's show. Appreciate you joining us. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the National Hockey League. We'll be back right here, 12 Eastern time tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.